0: Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Welcome back everybody. Welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. Today, I don't know whether you're going to leave here more optimistic or more pessimistic. I really honestly don't know, but we're going to talk about why OCD gets so misdiagnosed. And it happens so much. It is easily one of the most commonly misdiagnosed conditions out there, if not probably one of the most common. Um and so I'm going to blow your mind right off the bat here. So research shows that up to 80% of the time when professionals are given a non-conventional OCD vignette, meaning a story or like a background about a fake person and their symptoms, but it's not about the typical OCD presentations that society would think. So it's not about cleaning, fear of germs, needing things to be perfect. When it's not about that, up to 80% of the time, professionals will misdiagnose something that's not, it's not going to be OCD, right? So they're going to misdiagnose that person when otherwise it would have been OCD. So when it's not this kind of clear cut conventional subtype or manifestation, like fear of germs or needing to have things be perfect, 80% of the time, professionals are misdiagnosing that. And that's really, really awful. And it has devastating and significant impacts, right? So we're going to talk about why OCD gets misdiagnosed so often and what we can possibly do to reduce this. Um on a small scale and also maybe on a larger scale over time. So we're going to also talk about societal beliefs and interpretations and how those have changed about OCD over time, specific ways you can advocate for yourself and for others, and just the systemic issues that directly caused this problem in the first place. So like I mentioned, 80% of the time, that's not good. That's not good. And it has so much to do with a lot of things that we'll talk about, but I think it has a lot to do with the societal messages. And misinterpretations about what OCD is and what it's not. So again, a lot of us, I think, we've come a long way. But a lot of us in society, and certainly professionals too, believe or just assume that OCD is about fear of germs or needing to have things be clean or, or have things be kind of symmetrical and perfect or just right. And I've worked with cases like that, that are kind of more conventional, um, that do kind of fall more on the lines of like the more typical, quote unquote, manifestations of OCD. And they can be devastating. I've worked with people who have drank bleach. I've worked with people who have, um, you know, scarred their hands and and their hands bleed because they're, they're washing their hands so much. I've worked with people who, because they needed everything to be just right or just so, they weren't able to get out of a building during a fire alarm. It's a big deal. And so I don't want to undercut kind of how significant those conventional subtypes can be, but it's no lie. I mean, we can't get away from the fact that these societal misinterpretations or assumptions of that, that's just what OCD is. It's just a drop in the bucket of what OCD is. And the reason why we don't know really the depths or the you know, the lengths that OCD can go is because a lot of it is very taboo and we don't talk about a lot of those thoughts, right? So it is a self-perpetuating problem. We don't talk about ourselves or Other people having these thoughts, we don't talk about the scary thoughts we have about our children because we're afraid that the next mom is going to judge us for having those thoughts, even though she has those thoughts too. We're afraid of having those nasty kind of weird, strange thoughts because we don't want people to think we're crazy, even though they have the same things too. And they're not saying those things to us because they don't want us to think they're crazy, right? We don't talk about it. Therefore, other people think it's weird when they experience it, even though these intrusive thoughts are very normal. Um, So it's like, yeah, it's just a self-perpetuating problem. We do ourselves that disjustice as well because we don't feel comfortable talking about it and we don't feel comfortable talking about it because other people don't feel comfortable talking about it. So even though intrusive thoughts are normal, it's still very difficult to talk about these things. We're afraid of that judgment. So, So there's been tons and tons of research to demonstrate and support the fact that people, regardless of their mental health status or socioeconomic status, where they are in the world, 95 to 99% of individuals have intrusive, unwanted thoughts, these thoughts that kind of just come in out of nowhere. And even the one to 5% of people who say that they don't have those thoughts, I think they're either lying or they didn't understand the question, right? I talked about this in the previous episode, just about how our brains are so creative and how our brains are so complex there's no way that all of those 60,000 or 80,000 or whatever it is every single day can be aligned and perfectly characteristic of us, right? It's, It's gonna happen that every so often something's gonna go haywire and something's gonna trip up, right? So that's really just one problem is that we don't talk about it enough. Next, we have another problem in schools, right? In grad schools, if somebody wants to go to school to be a therapist, generally they don't specialize like in OCD treatment or in depression or in psychotic disorders unless they specifically seek that out for themselves. So I'm hopeful that this changes, but in my own grad school experience, and I know that generally this is the way that it works. This is the kind of, you know, it it would be exceptional if it wasn't this way for somebody. But my hope is that when people go to school to become a therapist or a mental health professional, that they would eventually follow more of like a medical model that at some point, yes, you, you, yes, you learn the foundational kind of concepts that would be able to kind of help you regardless of whoever it is. Right. But if you need somebody or if you want to specialize and be more niche that you need to further seek out more internships or more specialized experience. Um, so for instance, right, like you, you, Don't just become a doctor to become a doctor, right? Like you can't go to a cardiologist if you are worried about cancer, right? Like you have to specialize in something. Um, And so I wish it was that way too with the more mental side of things. I wish people had to specialize because we can't just do a blanketed kind of treatment. We can't just approach people with unconditional positive regard and warmth and empathy and kind of you know parrot what it is that people say to us and give it back to them we can't just do that kind of talk therapy for everything a lot of these conditions especially as we gather more evidence and more research over time and we learn more about mental health in general they require evidence-based strategy they require evidence-based treatment and the same treatment for ocd is not going to work for depression and vice versa so as a result We have a lot of therapists who usually have a more generic or kind of general approach to everything, and that's not helpful, especially for OCD. Even in my grad school experience, had I not effortfully went out of my way to specialize and to seek out those additional internships and to strategically pick out all of my research opportunities and conferences and blah, 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 I would not have specialized niche experience when it comes to ocd and anxiety that was a hundred percent all on me i had to find and make those opportunities for myself Otherwise, I would have left grad school and probably been more of a generalist, right? And like, that's where, unless you want that, unless you know that you can have that, or unless you make room for that yourself, you're probably going to fall in this more kind of generic or more general camp where you are maybe like a general CBT therapist, but you don't specialize in something. And that's not good, or it's not helpful, and it could be detrimental to OCD, I think it also has a lot to do with what is OCD and what isn't. Um, I think our beliefs about this and our understanding of this has changed over time. So again, we used to believe or have this understanding that OCD was just about cleanliness and fear of germs and needing to do things repeatedly or have things be perfect. And like I mentioned, this absolutely can happen, but it's just a drop in the bucket for all the ways now that we know that OCD can manifest. We know that OCD can latch to anything. We know that OCD is limited only by your imagination and that it can happen in so many other ways. But even as we've expanded over the years, it's still not enough. So if you look at very um, commonly used assessments like the DOCS, the Dimensional Obsessive Compulsive Scale, which is commonly used to assess the severity of OCD, um, it breaks it down into subtypes, like very specific kind of subtypes like harm thoughts, Um, just right, contamination. And it's very difficult when someone comes in with, say, sexual orientation OCD or relationship OCD, and they don't neatly fit into one of those things. It's kind of like, well, should I include that under just right? Should I include that under harm? It's not enough. And so we are just now, I think, getting better at really consistently and more cohesively getting on board with the fact that OCD has much more to do with the process rather than the content. And so We need to continue to be moving in this direction where we're not as focused, hyper hyper focused on like the subtypes and the content of the fear, but more so the process and the perseveration and the interpretation of these obsessions meaning something and the action of going and doing the compulsion and the repetitive actions and all that stuff. A long time ago, we tended to believe that OCD was just about more irrational things versus more realistic things, right? Like that's more generalized anxiety disorder. If you're worried about more down-to-earth things and more things that could happen like your health or the state of the world or the future or your bills – That's more realistic. That's more grounded and down to earth. That would be more generalized anxiety disorder, according to people who are not me, right? Um, I don't believe that at all. I have a whole masterclass on that if you want to read more about that, but I'll link that in the show notes for you. And on the flip side, OCD was always thought to be more about more rational things, more so things that had kind of this more outlandish and creative flair to it. But what about relationship OCD? What about sexual orientation OCD? What about um, real event OCD or false memory OCD, right? Um, The way that the DSM works, it's much more about the content versus the process. And I think that's A huge problem in and of itself. Um, We're not necessarily as focused about the process and what's going on. We're focused more about what it looks like and the and the content. And so I think that's where we go wrong. And that leads to misdiagnosis a whole heck of a lot of the time. So when it comes down to process, anxiety and OCD are much the same. Um, I again go way in more detail about this in my GAD or OCD Doesn't Matter masterclass. It is available um, on my website. It's going to just blow your mind. Uh, I've gotten such great feedback about it. So definitely head to the show notes and check that out if you want to learn more about that. But this is why I talk so interchangeably when it comes to OCD and anxiety. The process is exactly the same. So uh, again, I believe most of those individuals, when they do get misdiagnosed, they are either they're mostly going to be given generalized anxiety disorder, even though the process is much more that they should be giving getting uh, exposure and response prevention, like they had OCD, right? it's also unfortunately a lot of the times with moms you know especially if somebody presents with more harm intrusive thoughts or sexual intrusive thoughts they're probably going to be misdiagnosed as having psychotic symptoms and the the devastation of those consequences right like being labeled as having a psychotic episode and having a psychotic disorder, being separated from your family. That's terrible when it actually is just a slam dunk case of OCD. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten messages from moms who have told me like, you know, I, I was in, inpatient, um, for so long after I had my first child. And now I finally realized that that was OCD. I thought I was crazy. Everyone else thought I was crazy, but it was OCD. I wish this stuff was around when I was, you know, just recently becoming a mom. Um, And so what can we do about all this, right? First things first, it is so critically important that we talk to other people that we trust about the thoughts that we have, right? And we normalize it. So I obviously feel really strongly in my convictions and I have some, you know, authority and credibility to back me up. But whenever I'm with a mom, especially one of my new mom friends, I'm super open about the thoughts that I had and the thoughts that I still have. Um, I think it's really important to talk about that, to be the person, if you feel called and if you feel like you can trust your your people, um, to be the one to say that because it just opens up the floor for them to be able to do the same with you. And that's how we really, on a day-to-day basis, on a person-to-person basis, how we can start to change this stuff. Um, Also super important, number two, to advocate for yourself and to professionals. So for you to walk into these meetings, say with your doctor And be able to say, no, this actually doesn't fit what I believe to be what you're saying is generalized anxiety disorder. You know, I read about this. I read about this. I read about this. Um, I believe that's actually more consistent. I'm concerned that's actually more consistent with obsessive compulsive disorder, um, If someone tries to say that you have psychotic symptoms, but it's actually OCD, right? You could say, nope, actually, these are ego dystonic. These are unwanted. I am not fascinating uh, myself with these thoughts. I am not curious about these thoughts. I am trying to avoid these thoughts. And that is more consistent with OCD, not psychosis. We need to just advocate for others as much as we can, as well as ourselves, that leads me into the third part here, spreading awareness, trying to combat misinformation. And I, as soon as I think that we've come really far, I am met with one more example as to how far we have left to go. Um, but just within whatever is in your bandwidth, trying to spread that awareness, combating misinformation, whether you do that on social media or whether you, for your own benefit and for the greater good, you know, combating any conversational misinformation that might come up. Like if somebody says, I'm so OCD, so on and so forth. And for yourselves, I want you all, number four, to be focusing on the process and not the content, right? So um, I always tell people, you do not have a relationship problem. You do not have a cleanliness problem, a germ problem, a car driving problem. You have a problem when it comes to doubt. You have a problem with how your brain processes doubt. You have a problem with how your brain interprets and hangs on to all of these scary thoughts and you're not able to move on. Um, and so process over content. And then last one here: um, If you are able to have a therapist, uh, making sure that you see someone who knows that they uh, that they actually do work with people who have OCD and that they uh, work with evidence based treatments. So. They should be doing and and be knowledgeable about exposure and response prevention. They should be able to not just say on their website that they work with people who have OCD, but actually have legitimate experience in working with people who have OCD. They should have legitimate experience in doing exposure and response prevention. And if you don't have access to a therapist, um, obviously that would be my goal for everybody. That would be what I want for everybody. But for this condition in particular, I would so much rather somebody try to support themselves with the general education that I provide knowing that I've been doing this since 2008 then going to a therapist who knows nothing about OCD and nothing about ERP. Um so with all of that said, therapy is obviously the way to go. This is general education for you to be using at your own risk and your own discretion, but I have tons of resources for you to kind of make those decisions for yourself. So lots of master classes available for you. I will link them in the show notes. We have a master class about generalized anxiety disorder and how to really get you to the point where you understand that it is so much more about the process than the content. I have other classes about the OCD and anxiety cycle, another master class about the ERP basics. You'll walk out of there feeling like you know exactly what you need to do to start taking some immediate steps whether or not you have a therapist. I have another masterclass and a nice little bundle of little bonus courses for moms who are struggling with intrusive thoughts or new parents who are struggling with intrusive thoughts. And if that's all up your alley too, then so would be my newsletter. Uh, You can go to my website and sign up for my free email newsletter for encouragement and education ongoing about these topics. You can also get a free PDF download called uh, Imagine Your Recovered Life. It's an awesome little worksheet that will help you just brainstorm with no strings attached, no limits. What would your best life look like if OCD wasn't part of the picture? And then I'll help you kind of identify small, manageable, bite-sized steps that you can start to take right away. So all of this can be so frustrating. We obviously have such a long way to go, but we also have come so far. So I hope that Just understanding a little bit more kind of how we've gotten here, why OCD is so misdiagnosed the way that it is, but also being able to come out of here with practical steps of what you can do, like talking to others, advocating for yourself, spreading awareness, focusing on process and not content, and making sure that you're seeing somebody who understands OCD and ERP. I hope that you feel a little bit more capable of dealing with all of that frustrating stuff. So I will put all of those links in my show notes, you guys. We have so much to, to get through um, in the next couple of episodes. So keep coming back. I'm so excited that you're here. Um, and yeah, I cannot wait for the next episode. So um, until next time, you guys, keep doing all the hard things. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.